Anyway, uh, this morning we are uh, in uh, uh, this series called Christmas Songs, and uh, uh, I'm enjoying this so far, and I hope that you are too, and uh, it's full-blown Christmas song season, and uh, you know, today we're talking through another uh, one of these songs that is very familiar to us, uh, that we sing every Christmas season, uh, and with that being said, you know, this is, this is one of those songs this morning that... Uh, we just want to talk through, like let, let's let, like let's take a break and let's just talk through some of these songs and what they mean, the theology behind them, uh, you know what God has uh, for us, and as we sing them, uh, man, it just it just brings so much more out of the whole thing. And so uh, this morning we're looking at uh, the song "What Child Is This?" Uh, in fact, if you've got a Bible. Uh, and you want to get it out, uh, go ahead and do so. And if you don't have a Bible or ushers have Bibles, they will be glad uh, to bring you one. And we're going to the book of Matthew today, the book of Matthew. Uh, but uh, if, you, and if you need a Bible, just throw your hand up in the air and let them know uh, that you do. And uh, Josh, you may need to make the whole circle. And, uh, but, uh, you know, the, uh, we, we, we got an usher down on this side or something, I think. So uh, maybe need to call in a medic. Uh, but uh, no, uh, but uh, no, if, uh, if you need one and you don't own one, you can keep that. It's a gift. We'd love for you to take it with you. Uh, if you just need it to follow along, uh, that's fine too, uh, and you can borrow it, uh, but we're glad for you to take it with you if you need it. Uh, Matthew uh, chapter 2 is where we're going today. And the reason we're going to Matthew chapter 2 today is because in doing a little studying on uh, this particular song, What Child Is This?, uh, the man who wrote this song, who penned this song, uh, is, uh, was actually, this came from a, a period of his life. In fact, I'll just go ahead and share. His name is William Chatterton Dix, D-I-X. And uh, this guy had, had been an insurance man, you know? And uh, we've got, we got some insurance men in the church. They seem to kind of congregate together sometimes, but uh, we, I don't know what's up with that, but uh, they got like a club or something. Uh, but, uh, but no, we've got, you know, we've got this picture of a guy, just a, you know, just, just a, a guy, you know, like any, any of us. And, and this guy was, you know, working along and all this, and all of a sudden he falls like deathly ill, like almost dies. And in the, and in the midst of this, of this horrible disease, of this, of this sickness that he has, he ends up having this spiritual awakening. He ends up spending all of this time seeking the Lord through Scripture. He's like studying the Bible like day and night, like can't get enough of it. And then out of that flows like several, several what we now know as songs, poems, that kind of thing. And, and this is actually one of them, talking about like mid-1800s, 1865-ish, somewhere in that neighborhood. And, and actually he wrote this poem. This came as a poem first, and the poem's name was The Manger Throne. The Manger Throne. And so, of course, he's talking about Jesus in the manger, and that Jesus is king, and obviously, because he's in a manger, making it, talking about it as a throne. And so, one of the things that he was doing, apparently, one of the things that led to this particular poem slash song was that when he was deathly ill, he spent a, a, a moment in time there where he just studied, studied, studied as hard as he possibly could, like couldn't get enough of Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, which is what we're going to look at today. 
And so that was kind of the springboard uh, to uh, this becoming a thing and, and God using, the, using him to pen this. Uh, and again, this isn't God's word. It's a, it's a poem slash it's a song. You know, but it's glorifying our God and it's a great opportunity for us to just pause and say, okay, we're singing this. What are we singing? What does it mean? And, and, and what does Scripture say to it? In fact, this, uh, this poem, when, when put to a song, it was put to a song called Green Sleeves, which was uh, honestly, like, uh, like so many hymns that, that came about, one of these pub songs. You know, if you go back and you listen to like some old recording of Green Sleeves, it's usually like on the harpsichord and, you know, all this kind of thing. And, and uh, you know, honestly, if you really dig into like the background of Green Sleeves, you'd be like, that's definitely not a church song. And, uh, but the, the tune that we have that goes with this song is the tune that we now know as What Child Is This? The song was written with this understanding, this idea of adoration of uh, Jesus from the shepherds, from the wise men, and the questions that they might ask themselves. So if, if you, as we go through the song, one of the things that you'll see is it kind of poses questions, and then it answers questions. It answers those questions. It kind of comes back to those questions. So it, it, it does that, it, and, and then it furthermore, actually, and this is kind of giving a little bit of it away here, but it actually furthermore is invited, gets to a point where it's literally inviting you, the person, that as you sing this, as you say this, that it's inviting you to Jesus. And so, I mean, this, it's a great song. But anyway, let, let's look at Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Let's read this together. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Then uh, they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will, be, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then, verse 7, Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Which is, by the way, I'm just going to stop here and say, it's I just keep wanting to talk about it. Uh, this, is, this is Herod, this is King Herod, he's lying, okay? He's telling them, you know, tell me, tell me, where, tell me where this king, this, this Christ child is born. You know, I want to go and worship him. Oh, he's, he's, a, complete, he's a complete liar, you know, liar pants, you know, whatever. You know, I mean, he's, he is so, he want he, listen, he is scared to death. He is scared 
to death. King Herod in this moment is scared to death that the prophecies are going to come true, that this king is coming because the world and all of Israel and all of these people have been waiting and looking for this king to come that's going to change everything and right everything, right? And for them, they really thought, he thought especially, but all these people thought they were going to get this political king. This political king, which is not what Jesus came to be. Jesus came to be the savior of the world. He came to be the king over all of creation and the king over all who would trust and believe in him and truly the king over even those who don't uh, to some degree. And, and, and so here we've got this amazing picture of Herod trying to twist the truth to get away, to find out where is Jesus and where has he been born. In verse 8 it goes on, it says, And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star... They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So here we have... In this moment, we see that they had a dream and were told in a dream, don't go back to Herod. Don't go back to Herod, and they do not. And instead, they run the other way and escape and don't tell him where Jesus is. This passage is uh, an amazing passage, and it points back to a prophecy from Micah uh, chapter 5 that we see uh, there in the, the middle around verse 6 or so, uh, where it says, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. This is before, long before the birth of Jesus that this is being penned. As, as we see so many times over and over in the Old Testament, we see the Old Testament pointing toward Jesus coming. Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. That's the theme of the Old Testament. That and the law. And then Jesus comes to set the law straight. This passage, this part of chapter 2 in the book of Matthew uh, ends up being the springboard in which uh, uh, William ends up using this as he's been studying this as the springboard to pen the song, What Child Is This? What Child Is This? Verse 1, I want to kind of jump into this. Verse 1 of What Child Is This says, What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping, whom angels greet and anthems sweet, while shepherds watch are keeping. So in this first verse of the song, that we see here, 
We have this, and by the way, I think we have it in your bulletin if, you don't, if, if we don't have it on the screen. Uh, you know, you've got a bulletin there. You should have the, the lyrics to the song with you this morning. Uh, we see this picture of this child that has been born, laying, resting on his mother's lap, sleeping, and we see angels greeting, says, with anthems sweet while shepherds watch are keeping. Now, this is, this is something pretty special. We don't, we don't see the angels involved in Scripture just to, very much, just to be honest. I mean, we, I mean we, we, know, we know there's a spiritual realm. We know that uh, about spiritual warfare. We understand some of, some of those things, right? Uh, but the truth is, is we don't see like tons of passages where the angels become involved, like visually involved with what's going on. And that is what happens in this passage. That, that is what happens uh, in the story of Jesus. And we don't, see, we don't see all of that in the particular passage that we studied this morning, uh, in Matthew chapter 2, uh, but the truth is, is that you read through all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you will see the angels, and we see the heavenly host coming and singing and worshiping this child who is born. This is the only time in the history of the whole world that we see something like this. I mean, it's that important. This this is the base for what we come to know as our faith. The beginning of our Savior coming into the world, and He comes as a child, as a baby. So important is this moment that the angels greet Him, anthem sweet, while shepherds watch our keeping. You know, what, what, an, what an amazing picture of, of Christ coming into the world. What an amazing picture. If you go on, then you have the chorus, which is, I mean, just, uh, let's face it, it's like one of the most amazing choruses to sing. Uh, It says, this, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring Him, Lord, the babe, the son of Mary. Now, this starts out, you know, easy enough, where, you know, and Again, you know, like so many other things that sometimes we might sing something from the 1800s or, or even older at times or whatever, uh, in, in this particular situation, 1800s, we have uh, the use of words that we don't use on the regular, okay? But it starts out simple enough, this, this is Christ the King. So, so first of all, in that first verse, what, it, what did we have? We had the, we had the questions. We had what child is this who's laid to rest, right? So if the, if the wise men, if the shepherds are asking questions to themselves in this moment, they're trying to figure out what is happening. You know, what child is this who's laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Whom angels greet with anthem sweet while shepherds watch are keeping. You see, it's, it's questions, right? And then, and then the questions are answered in the chorus. And in the chorus... He pins this, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing, haste, haste, bring him laud, the babe, the son of Mary. And so he answers 
just, I mean, just as clear as he possibly can. This, he, doesn't say this, he doesn't just say this, this is Jesus, or this is the Christ. He says, this is Christ, Christ the King. The King, and, and the King of what? Again, they're looking for the political thing. Of course, we're, we're blessed to understand and get to see this whole picture of the gospel you know, on the backside of all of this together. And, and in this picture, we see not just this, we don't see a political king, we see this king of the world, this creator of the world, who humbled himself to come and be a man, first a baby, but to become a human and walk the earth with us, to be this baby, to, I mean, think, think, about, think about that for just a second. Think about, I don't know if, if, I mean, and I think this is just part of a culture thing, but we are an impatient people, right? I mean, you think about like how impatient we are over the littlest of things. And God the Father sends his son, and, and I mean, he could have sent him as full-blown man into the world like, boom. And he comes into the world, and when he comes into the world, I mean, he just starts doing his thing. You know? You ever think about that? But that's not the way he came. He came as a baby. A baby who would have to take time to grow, right? Like, Chris, of course he had to take time to grow. Yeah, but I mean, think about it. Think about the time that went into Jesus literally going from being a baby to becoming a man before he would start his ministry, but he would fulfill all prophecy that he would come like this, that this would happen, that this was, this was part of the plan. This was part of the plan from, from the minute, from the minute of our creation, from the minute of the fall, that, that we understood that he, he, Jesus, would step on the serpent's head, Satan, right? Genesis Okay? And 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 that this was this was all part of the plan from the very beginning. And here, this, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste, bring him laud, the babe, the son of Mary. And you're like, Chris, that sounds so good. I have no idea what that third line means. Right? When was the last time that you used haste and laud, right? I'm challenging you in this Christmas season to use it. And some of you will thank me. And some of you will hate me because your spouse is going to use it against you. Haste, haste to bring him laud. Haste means hurry up. (laughs) Hurry up, you know? So like, when you, when you guys go on Christmas shopping and you're sitting there and you're standing there with the cart and you're just ready to go and it's like we got it, we got it. You've been you've spent 15 minutes looking at the three different colors of those notebooks. You have got to stop, you know. Just throw a little haste at them, right? Haste, haste, right? Haste, haste to bring him laud, to bring him praise. Laud means praise that that they would that they would sing 
of his praise. He's basically saying, do as the angels are doing this. This is Christ the King whom shepherds guard and angels sing, haste, haste, bring him law. He's saying, do as the angels are doing, the babe, the son of Mary. Awesome picture. And at the end of the day, he's answering this question, what child is this? Whose kid is this? Why is everybody making a fuss over this kid? Why are these people coming to him? Why are angels showing up to sing to him? Why in the world is this so important? It's so important because he's the Savior of the world. And in verse 2, it says this. It says, so bring him incense, gold and myrrh, Come, peasant king, to own him. The king of kings salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone him. Bring him incense, gold, and myrrh. Come, peasant king, to own him. So we've got this picture here of what is happening. They're bringing him these gifts. We just saw in in Matthew chapter 2. Uh, There, I think it's uh, in verse 11. Yeah, in verse 11 it says this. We'll go back to that. It says, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures. They offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. This is a big deal. These were not cheap items. They they basically brought along their best. And were like, "We're, we're, we're we're going to the party of all parties, We hear that this is finally going down. Our ancestors from old have talked about this. The prophecies are coming true. And today, we get to be a part of seeing this come to be reality. And they take the best stuff that they've got. And they roll out and they do bring him, verse 2, so bring him incense, gold, and myrrh, come peasant king to own him. Come peasant king. Come peasant king. Now that, that is a different understanding. That is a different understanding than what so many of those people at that time when Jesus came into the world and they were looking for this Messiah and they were looking for this Savior. They're looking for the political guy. They're looking for the whoever 2020, Right? You know, who are we going to put in office? Who's going who's gonna to fix all the stuff for us, right? That's the guy that they're looking for. William, of course, is pinning this, not necessarily the wise men or the shepherds. And, and we don't know. We don't know what was going through their minds or if they had an understanding of, of who this would be. But William, on the backside of understanding the gospel, understands that Jesus didn't come to be political, not in the sense that they were looking for anyway. Jesus came to be the king over all creation, and more specifically, even the peasant king. Someone who offers himself to be both peasant and king alike. And king even to people who were peasants. I'm afraid that there are still people in this world who think because they didn't grow up in church or they never had the right clothes 
or they didn't come from the right neighborhood, whatever it is, have the right amount of money, that they might not be able to be a follower of Jesus. Because followers of Jesus, for such a time, at least especially in the Western world, have put on airs at times, maybe not even meaning to, but to a certain point where they think, well, those people are not like me. I don't have clothes like that. Don't have money like that. Don't have a house like that. Not like me. Probably not, probably not for me. The truth is, is that Jesus was more like them, a peasant, someone who doesn't have as much or hardly anything at all, or nothing at all. Jesus was more like a peasant than he was like a king. That's part of what caused such disruption when it came to uh, the people of the day when Jesus came and, and it came out, especially when he started his ministry, and he began to actually share that he really was king of the Jews he really was this king that they had been looking for, but not the one they were looking for at the same time because he didn't look like a king. There was no robes. There was no chariots. It wasn't, it wasn't all of that. <laughs> but I have a feeling that their minds would have been changed if they had been there the night that he was born. And the heavenly host was singing. And the whole world would have took a knee and just been in awe of what in the world is going on, even if they didn't even know what was going on in that minute, if they had seen that. Man, to have seen that. That's like one of those things that I wish that I could have seen. Just to imagine that. And to know that we'll get a taste of that one day in eternity when we worship together with angels and the whole bit. It's hard to imagine. And here he says, So bring him incense, gold and myrrh. Come peasant king to own him. The king of kings salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone him. Let loving hearts enthrone him. And so, William sets the song up right before he goes to the second part of this verse, or maybe it's a bridge, uh, but this next section. He sets it up for us to see who Jesus is, number one, this peasant king, and then he goes on to say the king of kings, which, which that's, two different, that's two different things. We got the peasant king, and then we got the king of kings, right? So we got the guy who's king to anybody, no matter what you got or where you came from, and then the same guy is also the king of kings, so get all the kings together, and they have a king, and his name is Jesus. And then it says, the king of kings, salvation brings. Let loving loving hearts enthrone him. And and, and, and it's a setup. It's a setup. The song is a setup. It's a setup for that person that maybe has never believed, who has never trusted in Jesus, to see and understand just how powerful this thing is that God the Father sent his son to the earth to be the peasant king, to be the king of kings, but to understand, more importantly, that salvation he brings and that we should let loving hearts 
enthrone him, that we should welcome him with open hearts, with the love that he has brought to us. But he, he does it beautifully because he says salvation brings. So we have this understanding that he has done for us before we could ever do for him, which is what scripture teaches us back and forth, that it is because of his love that he loved us first that we too can love. Amazing. So well written. Salvation brings loving hearts enthrone him. But then it goes on. Verse 2.1. Raise, raise a song on high. The virgin sings her lullaby. Joy, joy, Christ is born, the babe, the son of Mary. And so you've gone from an understanding of who this, who this baby is, who this child is, that from that you go right into this understanding of that you, you, let loving hearts enthrone Him, and now come, come, be invited in. Raise, raise a song on high. The virgin sings her lullaby. Joy, joy, for Christ is born, the babe, the son of Mary. And so thrown in there, we have one of these little pieces of our understanding of, of the story of Jesus is that He came to the world born of a virgin, which, by the way, also uh, fulfilled prophecy from ever and a day old. And, and we believe it. I mean, we believe it. You know, there's a lot of people, I've had people ask me the question, do you think Jesus was literally born of a virgin? I say, absolutely yes. I say, absolutely yes. I think it's part, I think it's part of us understanding that He is not exactly like us. He is still God himself, come to be a child, to be the Savior of the world. And the writer of the song is inviting us as we sing it to raise, raise a song on high, come. The virgin sings her lullaby, joy, joy, for Christ is born, the babe, the son of Mary. And then it goes back to the chorus again. This, this is Christ the King whom shepherds guard and angels sing, haste, haste, hurry to bring him laud, praise the babe, the son of Mary. The writer is wanting that person who reads it, that person who sings it, to ask the question, do I know this king of kings? Do I know this peasant king? Do I know this child? Do I know this savior? We oftentimes, and we did this morning, sing another verse. We'll call it the third verse. And it's four simple lines. Four simple lines. And these have actually been added in the last couple of decades. These are new. These are new. And you say, well, Chris, it's not part of the old one. Why are we talking about it? Because we sing it. We sing it, and I want to talk about what we sing, right? And, and, and honestly, it's, it, it's written by probably one of the, the greatest worship song writers of our time, who's Chris Tomlin. And he wrote these four lines, and it says this. It says, nails, spears shall pierce him through the cross he bore for me, for you. 
Hail, hail, word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. These four lines come back to really, and, I, and I, I, if I had to guess, if we were to ask Chris Tomlin, why did you write this? He would probably say, I wanted to finish out the picture of the gospel of what we see Jesus do for us in the end. That we could go from singing about the birth of a baby, right? To the sacrifice of a man. Both and all the in-between, still God, come humbling Himself, nails, spears, shall pierce Him through. The cross He bore for me, for you. Hail, hail, the Word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. John 1.14 says this. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You imagine, just imagine what it was like. For those that traveled, following a star in the sky, most of us can't follow directions using a Waze app. And these guys follow a star in the sky that shone so bright that they went right to where Jesus was with his baby, with her baby, and got to see the glory of this child born who came as the Word, who became flesh and dwelt among us. Who became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, from the get-go, there was always this understanding that the child would come to die. The father knew that the child would come to die. There was never a question about that. There was never wondering about that. He knew that the child would come to die. Jesus was sent to die. And for us as parents, that's heavy. I mean, we, we, we only want to do one thing. We want to protect our children. We want, them, we want them to grow up. We want them to get to live lives that are awesome and, and hopefully they would know the Lord and glorify Him and all the things that they do and that people would know who He is because they know our children, like as a parent, like we have no greater, greater want for our children if we know Jesus. And God the Father sent this, His only Son, as a baby 
the flesh, uh, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us all for the purpose that He would come and die. And Jesus came, and that's what He did. Colossians 2 verse 13 says this, it says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, forgiving us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. And He set aside, nailing it to the cross. Nails, nails shall pierce Him through the cross He bore for me, for you. Hail, hail, the Word made flesh, the babe, the Son of Mary. Every single person in this world has to deal with this one question. I don't care who you are. And that question is, who is this child? Who is this child? The song calls us to this, calls out that question, what child is this? And, and calls us to know Him. And for us and for you today, where you are right in this very moment, even you, even I, have to ask the question, who is this child? And is this the Son of God or is this a fairy tale? I briefly talked for a moment yesterday with someone about doubting the Lord sometimes and needing to ask God hard questions. You know what I told them? I said, they were asking, is it okay for me to be in these moments where I feel like I'm asking God these hard questions? And I looked at him, I said, you know what? God's a big boy. And he can handle it. And he wants our hard questions. Because he wants us to understand who he is. And they said, how do you, how do you struggle through those questions sometimes? I said, I'll tell you this. I go back to recognizing all the things that He has done in my life. And I have seen God work and I have seen God move in ways beyond anything that I could ever imagine. I didn't get to see the heavenly host, but I have seen Him keep His promises. I have seen Him protect, I've seen Him provide, and I have seen Him give comfort in the hardest of times of my life. I have seen Him carry me when I couldn't walk. And I have seen Him pray for me when I had no words. Because that's who He is and that's what He does. He's as real as He ever was. And this morning, the question that we have to ask for ourselves is what child is this? Let's pray. God, we pray that you are glorified in our lives. We pray, Lord, that people wouldn't just see you in us, but God, that we would see you in us. God, we pray that you would strengthen 
the faith of those that are struggling. God, pray the prayers for those who have no words. Lord, carry those who cannot walk. God, thank you for what you have done for us in sending your son to die for us. God, I pray right now for anyone that has never trusted in that. Lord, that they would understand today that it is the truth. God, I pray that you would save them as you have saved me. God, not because we deserve it, but because, God, you have loved us first. God, may you be glorified in the work that you do in our lives. God, may we make you known. May we let others know. God, save the lost. Help us to see. Help us to follow. Strengthen our faith. As we ask that question today, who is this child? What child is this? God, may we answer it as Christ, the King of our lives, who gave His life and is Savior of the world. Thank you, Lord, for Your Son. It's in His name we pray these things. Amen.